0: Now for agribusiness news, markets, and weather from Studio C. This is Agriculture Today.
1: You get to D.C. and the perspective is, nope, we don't want anything to do with your farm bill. Co-director at the Agriculture Food Policy Center at Texas A&M, Bart Fisher. We don't want a title. We don't want livestock anywhere near it. And I think one of the main reasons is you know the you know the perspective, particularly if you're a cattle cattle guy. We get nothing from the government. We want them to stay out of our business. And frankly, for crop friends, that might not be a bad thing to, to consider, right? Um, you, know, you open up a farm bill, lots of things can happen, a, a lot of amendments. You know, some of the amendments we dealt with on the floor when I was sitting right there next to Mr. Lucas or Mr. Conaway are real head scratchers. You know, eliminate crop insurance. Who in the right mind would propose doing that? But that sort of stuff comes up in a farm bill, and so I think to some to some degree, the livestock guys are onto something. It it maybe maybe it's uh, uh, less risky to just steer clear.
0: You're listening to Agriculture Today.
2: Many of you know the the current farm bill is set to expire this year, into September.
1: G.T. Thompson is a representative from Pennsylvania also chairman of the house ag committee at a recent listening session in california and without a doubt the most important part of the farm bill process is to hear from farmers ranchers foresters
2: producers key stakeholders in rural america farm bill really is about uh, those who produce those who process and those who consume well that would be everybody in this country um and so uh, really uh, and so we all know what's working in this this process is so we know what's working what's not and where you need to uh need the the most support uh serving those who serve on the agriculture committee uh many i think everyone is uh in a bipartisan way does that because we 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 love what god has blessed us with and today god has blessed us with two ears and one mouth and that's why we're calling it a listening
1: session uh to be able to hear from you and bring your voice to to the 2023 farm bill what set this apart from any previous listening sessions speaker of the house Kevin McCarthy. I have the
2: honor to be able to represent in California the number one ag producer in the entire union, but I'm very proud of being able to represent Kern, Fresno, and Tulare, the top three in the entire state, so just so everybody knows. I think this is, you could applaud that, especially if you're from here. We take pride in that. I hope what you see here, um, I, I have the honor of being able to be speaker in this house not an easy job to win as you saw but um, we want to make sure we do the right things. We've got a farm bill up once every five years. There's a lot of different concerns when it comes, especially out here with specialty crops and others making investment in R&D, making sure diseases don't come, MAP making sure we uh, invest to broaden our um, ability to sell further places before you it's not a bunch of Republican members from Congress before you is a bipartisan group of congressional members who are here to use their ears it'll never get you in trouble by using your ears and I hope you realize this is our very first in this new Congress where we have come to listen to you about how we go about not just the farm bill but dealing with agriculture for the future as I always love to say agriculture takes the tradition of the past but applies it to a changing future Just a few hours before we watched people win the top 10 awards. Somebody from Israel. I mean, they're talking about drones. We realize competition makes it tougher, but we also realize if America's given a level playing field, we can compete anywhere and we can win. Our products are better, our opportunities are greater. But yeah, we care about our essentials. We need water to be able to make it happen. But at the same time, we need fair trade. We need the ability to be able to grow. We need to get in front of diseases as well. And so that's why this is today so important. And I want to thank each and every member. So some traveled from across the country but some traveled from different parts of California because they care about agriculture and they want to know directly from you and you're not going to learn any place better about agriculture than right here at the, at the Ag Farm Show right here in Tulare the number one in the world, we take great pride in that and we, we appreciate you taking the time to participate as well so it's not my place to talk, it's my place to listen, I'm going to turn it back over to GT and I thank you for being a part of this and really showing your leadership and this is the last thing I will tell you when I was whip, a farm bill was the hardest bill to pass. And so I believe we're starting on the right tape with GT as the chairman, but also in a bipartisan way, making sure all voices are heard. So thank you very much.
0: It's agriculture today. Ag news now. Agriculture today.
3: Let's put it this way the Fed or the central banks around the world did not get us into this problem
1: (laughs) talking interest rates and inflation that's dr dave cole with virginia tech it was a combination of a shotgun
3: double barrel approach monetary and fiscal policy when you have 85 trillion dollar world economy and 14 percent of it came from a check written by government you're gonna have inflation Sometimes you can't fix stupid. (laughs) And one of the things that's real interesting, the Fed is not going to cure inflation itself. Because again, we have all this stimulus savings. By the way, 2.5 trillion here in the United States. It was, you know where she is right now? 1.3, 1.5 trillion. Fly on the airlines with me. Go out on a Thursday night and it's wedding parties going to a wedding. Come back on Tuesday, they're coming back. By the way... Typically, 1.1 million people get married in a year. This year, it's 2.6 million people. And you know what the hotels are telling me? Typically, when you have a wedding party, about 75% show up. It's 100% now. And they stay the extra day. But what are they doing? They're burning through their stimulus. Okay? And it's going to be interesting. After the holidays, after the holidays, uh, will this continue? And are you paying
1: attention to credit card debt? Did you notice what's happened to credit card debt lately?
3: And by the way, think about this. 24% of the credit cards issued this past year were issued to people with less than a 620 credit score. You can't think stupid. It's See, we're setting ourselves up because you burn through your stimulus and then what do you do? You then... Go to your credit cards until they're maxed out so what i'm trying to tell you is these interest rates they're going to go up and they're going to be up there for an extended period may i reinforce previous speakers it's your operating money that it's going to get hit
1: <laughs> that's why ag bankers are looking for proactive farmers your proactive manager they're going to have a plan and matter
3: of fact, they'll have a game plan managing all three of these. You know what the best friend of your agriculture producer is going to be? A spreadsheet. <laughs> and a spreadsheet with various scenarios. <laughs> what was I doing after I worked out this morning? Uh, it was real interesting. I was up in the room doing spreadsheets <laughs> on the creamery. As matter of fact, our CFO and CEO are doing them separate, love me. And what was I doing? Shock test. Interest on operating money. Two, three, four percent we put in. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How does that influence the bottom line? And folks, you know what you're going to say? Well, if we do that with our customer, they're just going to go to the competition. No. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, where is a lot of your customers getting their money from non-traditional lenders? (laughs) And this is something that you're going to have to be very, very concerned about. And you know one of the things? You don't know what you don't know because we're taking annual financial statements, (laughs) And one of the things, things are going to look pretty good this year, but boy, you better be careful and watch the
1: non-traditional lender. Uh, will they be there? But he reminds you to pay attention to the things you can control. Isolate your
3: boxes. Uh, you're going to have the uncontrollables, and then you're going to have the controllables. The problem is, lenders and producers will focus more on this, because this is what gets headlines. You cannot manage the uncontrollables, you manage around them. This is where your alternative management plans are. Focus on the things that you can control.
0: It's Agriculture Today. With Agriculture Today, here's Tony St. James.
4: Ag represents five sectors. Ag, construction, forestry, mining,
1: and utility. Kurt Blades is Senior Vice President of Agriculture with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, or AEM, talks about who AEM is. Uh,
4: so as you can kind of imagine, all off-road equipment, uh, a lot of that heavy stuff you see alongside the road, but that heavy stuff you also see in fields and the smaller stuff you see in uh, in acreages and and uh, uh, you know suburban landowners uh, outside of some of the metropolitan areas as well.
1: He talks about how the members of AEM are diversified but related. In fact, there's a
4: rich history. I mean, American AEM's been around for 125 years, and we've started you know in the ag space. Uh, our founding members were you know uh, Caterpillar was one of the founding members. When you think about Caterpillar, you don't think it was an ag company, today. You think of a leader leader of construction, but as you know, many of these companies got their start in agriculture and they diversified into construction. And then likewise, some of the companies got a start in agriculture like Alice Chalmers and then diversified into everything else. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of diversification that happens. And some of the issues are very unique to each one of the sectors. Obviously, ag has got its own set of challenges, just like construction has its own set of challenges. A lot of the issues really sort of transcend the sector. when we talk about things like regulatory work or OSHA work, uh, those kind of don't really care what the tractor's being used for. Uh, they care that, that they, they care that it's a, you know it's an off-road equipment. we want to make sure that people are safe within the environment is taken care of.
1: Again, AEM is more than just agriculture, but he talks about how they're focused on other aspects of the industry.
4: We've got a thousand members. Um, A lot of those members have manufacturing in small towns uh, in in rural America. A lot of those members have dealerships in small towns, and certainly a lot of those members have customers that operate in those small towns. Every single one of our members is hiring, and so it's a challenge. We have a workforce. We have a uh, a supply chain challenge that is making a lot of headlines today. But I'll tell you, if we didn't have the supply chain challenges, it would shine a brighter light on the workforce challenge that we have. And that, uh, you know, getting good factory workers, good technicians is, is in some parts of the world really a problem. And I, I've heard from a couple of our members. I'm, I'm located in Iowa today. I've heard from a couple of our members here in Iowa that have, that have tried to quantify the number of lost sales that they have, have had because they simply can't get the workers to to, to work the, the you know the, the amount of time that needs to work to get the machines done. Now those yeah you know, again those are supply chain challenges the workforce challenges. But in answer, you know, to respond to your first comment, yeah, absolutely. We wanna we're working closely with you know whether it's with FSA or four H or AFA as well as uh, local schools and, and uh, trade schools to make sure that we've got a workforce that's qualified to be able to work, take advantage of some of these uh, good manufacturing jobs as well as these good service tech jobs where you can earn a pretty darn fine living in, uh, in a small town and have that small town lifestyle while still making a very good living working in the equipment industry.
1: Again, that's Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President of Ag with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. It's Agriculture Today.
0: You're listening to Agriculture Today.
5: I first want to thank the chairman, uh, Chairman Thompson, for coming out here. Uh, I had the honor of going out to Pennsylvania with him last year.
1: to Tulare County, California, side of the first Farm Bill listening session. David Valadeo is their representative.
5: Absolutely beautiful part of the country. Got to spend some time on a dairy farm out there. Um, but it's an amazing process that we're having here, uh, that we're actually going around the country talking to different folks, learning about the different agriculture commodities growing around the country and trying to address as many of the issues as we possibly can. I also want to thank uh, Speaker McCarthy. Uh, I've spent a lot of time working alongside McCarthy because our di- districts have bordered for years, um, and I've been proud to bring speakers to the Valley to teach them about a- agriculture, I mean, from Paul Ryan to John Boehner, but now I don't have to teach McCarthy anything. we just got to fight in the same direction and continue to work hard together, so I'm thrilled that he's here and took the time for this. I think this is the first time we've had a speaker at one of these types of events, so we're super excited about that.
1: Tulare County is actually represented by three different members of Congress, Valadeo, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, and Farmer and Democrat, Jim Costa.
6: It is great to have the House uh, Agriculture Committee here in Tulare. Um, uh, David and uh, and Kevin and I kind of share Tulare County now with the new reapportionment. And uh, it's uh birthplace of my father, uh, Ocean Goshen, not too far from here in Kings County. But this is important because um, the Farm Bill, we reauthorize every five years. This is my fourth Farm Bill reauthorization. And as a third-generation farm farmer, I can tell you that it's absolutely essential that we are here today to listen to all of the farmers, ranchers, dairymen, and women um, who really make up uh, this great valley of ours and the number one agricultural state in the nation. Uh, Chairman Thompson, you've got five Californians here, and we're very proud of, of our diversity in our agricultural economy. But I always say that food security is national security. In other words, food for all Americans is a national security issue. The majority of Americans don't tend to kind of look at it that way because they go to the grocery store, they go to their favorite restaurant, and they say, well, we got all the food we need. They don't understand the hard work it takes for farmers, ranchers, dairymen and women and farm workers to put that food on America's dinner table every night. But it's also America's safety net not only the safety net in terms of the 12 titles, that really provides the the basis and the protection, so we ensure that we can compete abroad 44% of California's agriculture is exported. But it's also the safety net for nutrition. The nutrition programs are critical uh, for school lunch and breakfast programs, for working poor, young and elderly alike. And so it's important that we remember that as we look at healthy nutrition. Kids can learn when they have a good lunch or a good breakfast, and that's important. So let me finally say that... Having the House Ag Committee here, Mr. Chairman, is important because we're so proud of the 4% plus of America's population that puts food on America's dinner table every night. But American agriculture is regional, and every region is a bit different. And the region here in California and the input we're going to hear from our folks that will make comments today are so important as we work on the 12 titles of the Farm Bill. We deal with the uh, specialty crops that are so important, Uh, the MAP program, the EQUIP program, all of these things that help us make us more competitive uh, not only throughout the country but throughout the world. So thank you, thank you, and thank you very much for bringing the House Ag Committee here to Tulare, California, and uh, we're going to hear some good Good thoughts, I think, for the people here today.
0: It's Agriculture Today. Ag News Now. Agriculture Today.
3: They set me up really good. But one of the things that's going to really hit us in 2023, particularly 24 and 25, is you've got to determine what customers have it.
1: Dr. Dave Cole recently talking to Ag Bankers at the Ag Bankers Conference in Omaha.
3: In other words, do they have the right stuff? Because the past few years, it's it's been very, very complacent management. The government's going to take care of us. And guess what? We've had a lot of paper wealth increases in these land values. So that allows us to do what? Refi, refi, refi. Now one of the things is we're going to cut right to it. And when we're managing these three components, you're going to have a certain set of customers that are going to what? Burn through profit, which then they'll burn through working capital and liquidity, and then they're gonna burn through their equity, but you're gonna have another set of customers, and this is where I see the cup half full, that will make the adjustment on Finzilla, and they're actually gonna put profits on the table, they're gonna build liquidity, and they're gonna build equity, and they're gonna grow. And it's gonna be up to you all and all of us to determine who's gonna be in what uh, you know, uh, part of that element.
1: Cole is Professor Emeritus at Virginia Tech, and uses sports as a perfect analogy
3: you know I talk about sports and i 'm going back out on the road this year. As a matter of fact i 'm lining up. I usually spend about three weekends this winter with Division Three and Division One basketball teams, and one of the things that i 'll do i 'll go to their practices, go to their film sessions, actually, the schools have me lecture you know on economics and business, and one of the things is uh, I was down in Davidson, oh, pre-pandemic, almost of grade. And by the way, they were very gracious to me. Spent three days there. And I was on a Saturday morning practice. And Mike Hinton, you could tell this story. You played against Larry Bird, both in high school and college. And I was watching the assistant coaches work with the point guards. And you know what they said? You know, tonight there's going to be a lot of people yelling and screaming at you. What do you do? You look over the rim, you follow your fundamentals, and you're going to make 80% of your shots. (laughs) And you know when they said that? Sometimes you have to have things reinforced from the back of the mind up in the front of the mind. And working with your customers, it's going to be about focus on basics and fundamentals. (laughs) And oh, you're going to hit 100%? No, but you're going to hit 70%, 80%. Look at your FinBand data over the years. Your top 20% typically do it about 70% of the time. Make a buck. And that's what we got to get them. But guess what? We'll get distracted with all the uncontrollables. All this is good, but pay attention to exports. I was telling someone last night, what's keeping me up at night right now, whether it's my pension funds or whether it's the business, I'll tell you one thing that's a big 900-pound gorilla. Wonder if the dollar does not become the reserve currency in the world. And by the way, by the way, you better watch that because there is China, India, and Russia and some of the other economies trying to develop a currency. (laughs) You better watch this because we're able to do a lot of things because we're the reserve currency in the world. You better watch this very closely. But when you have one in five dollars of net farm income coming from exports, and if I'm doing cotton, 77% 77% is exported. One in day, six days of milk is exported. Porkers, you're the same way. And soybeans, watch that.
0: It's Agriculture Today. With Agriculture Today, here's Tony St. James. We have
7: some real concerns about that.
0: Rick Crawford, a representative from Arkansas and
1: a member of the House Ag Committee. Buying up land and generally foreign investment,
7: uh, specifically Chinese, Particularly on the ag side, and so my colleague Elise Stefanik and I have introduced legislation that would essentially place um, the U.S. Ag Secretary as a permanent member of the CFIUS board, and it's the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. And would also essentially create a blacklist of, of countries that are pretty much forbidden from those kinds of transactions. And you can you can guess who the usual suspects would be: China being one, Russia. Iran, North Korea, and, and there may be a couple other additions to that list as well. But, I mean, obviously we have some, some concerns about uh, protecting
1: a vital nas-
7: national security asset, and that's our farm country.
1: Now, when we start talking trade, what's the latest on Cuba? I don't think anybody in, in
7: Congress has has done more than I have to try and move the needle on ag sales in Cuba. But there have been a lot of uh, things transpire in the last couple of years that have really cooled – the appetite for that um, and, and most notably it's been venezuela it's been diaz canal's position with re, with regard to venezuela so it's not enough to express rhetorical support for venezuela as far as diaz canal is concerned he has committed troops he's he's got troops on the ground supporting maduro and he has doubled down on that there, there he's not showing any signs of, of slowing and honestly this can't just be a one-sided type of relationship where me, we make all these concessions to try and and provide food uh, to to the island nation of Cuba. I think they have to show some good faith on their part. And and when he engages not only in that rhetorically uh, the moral support for Venezuela, but physically providing troops. You know, Maduro's primary security force is made up of Cubans, and then also you know you think about the command and control out in the hinterlands of Venezuela. Um, this is a real problem. And so, you know, I really kind of had to pump the brakes on this because, I mean, you kind of you cross a line there. I mean, honestly, I'm concerned about American farmers and creating broader market access, globally speaking, but there are some limits to that. And when we have that type of behavior from, from the leader of Cuba, I think that's an indicator that we need to rethink. Uh, and hopefully he'll rethink the wisdom of that decision and, you know, who do you want to be partners with? And it's clear that he would rather be partners with people like Venezuela. We also have concerns about basing Russian troops and Chinese troops in Cuba as well. That's taking place. So their economy is in a shambles. They're leaning heavily on Russia and China. Instead of reaching out to us, we've offered the the olive branch on many occasions, ag being sort of the, the forerunner of that. And and, and in, in for our troubles, what we get is DS Canal says we're going to we're going to stick with supporting Venezuela and we're going to allow China and Russia to base uh, to, to uh, uh, enter our ports and even base here. So that's a real problem.
1: Why is China trying to make so many friends around the globe?
7: Everything is related to the Belt and Road Initiative. And their Made in China 2025 initiative. So we are, you know, just about three years away from what they consider to be the realization of their goal of everything being made in China. And then, of course, all roads lead to China. The Belt and Road Initiative, globally speaking, and and what they do in a very economically belligerent way by going into countries um, that need help and using debt trap diplomacy to sort of trap them into uh, a relationship with China. And then what happens is invariably a country, you know, gets lured into this. Uh, debt trap and there's a default and the next thing you know china now owns the rights to mineral extraction could be the rights to a port any number of things that we have concerns about so china is is belligerent on all fronts economically politically and militarily and so
1: that's true in Cuba as well it's agriculture today
0: this is agriculture today
4: One might wonder why USDA plans to lead an agricultural trade mission this June to a top farm and food export market, Japan. As Ryan Brewster of the Foreign Agricultural Service explains, We signed a U.S.-Japan trade agreement that was signed in 2019. So the last time we had a trade mission to Japan, we didn't have this agreement in place. A trade deal that has given several U.S. ag exports preferential treatment from and increased sales to Japan. The June 5th through 8th trade mission will be unique in that we're going to do a two-city trade mission. So we're going to start off with a visit in Tokyo, and then we're going to move
0: over to Osaka.
4: Applications are being accepted from interested participants like ag trade groups, commodity organizations, and state ag departments through February 27th. Details are available online at www.fas.usda.gov. I'm Rod Bain reporting in Washington, D.C.